Welcome to Logbook Memories, an aviation podcast about remembering and sharing our past flights. I'm David Allen, a student pilot. And I'm Michael Ladd, a private pilot. Guests on Logbook Memories look back through their pilot logbook to find a particularly interesting, adventurous, enjoyable, scary, or otherwise memorable flight. Then they come on here and share the story of that flight in their own words. Our next guest is ready to go, so let's mic him up. All right, and for this episode of Logbook Memories, uh, we're talking with our friend uh, Ken Viard, and we're actually going to be talking about a number of different flights, but to a very specific destination. And this is Ken. When we were talking about getting this episode and which flight to talk about, because Ken, you've had a lot of flying experience. Ken says, I want to lock in Oshkosh. The the bad news, Ken, is we've actually already talked about Oshkosh, but. <laughs> not the way the, that we're going to talk about the it. The good news is, correct. <laughs> the good news is you're going to be the first one to talk about flying into Oshkosh. So, uh, Ken Viard, welcome to uh, Logbook Memories. We're glad to have you. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> it's uh, This is going to be a fun one because at least one of the flights you're going to talk about, I was on. And so I'm actually, I'm so actually kind of excited. I have to host excited. for that part. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to reminiscing about it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, of course, is there in the hangar too. How's it going, buddy? It's going wonderful. It's good. I think we all have our adult beverages. I do. Uh, let's let's get into it. Ken, you've flown into Oshkosh uh, what four times now? Yeah, we're up to four times now. I actually had to write it down to remember each one a little bit to make sure I remembered correctly. Gosh, most people, um, that's like a single-time bucket list item, and you've got to, <laughs> you have to keep notes on which one's what. I'm looking forward to having many, many more in the near future. I don't see myself uh, stopping the tradition anytime soon. What's interesting to me is your first trip to Oshkosh was flying in. You've never taken any other mode of transportation to get there. I would not know how to get there commercially or how to drive there. I, I don't think that's physically possible. <laughs> Oh, it is. I do, but I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to bore you with the details. Your stories are much better. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot longer too to drive it. So the first time you flew into Oshkosh was 2015. 2015, and I'm slightly embarrassed that I got my private pilot's license in 1997. I've been mostly active through the whole time, with very small periods of inactivity, and it took until 2015 for me to make my first appearance at Oshkosh. Oh, well, I can um, I can understand that, but I know people who have never been, like my own dad, who's never, ever been to Oshkosh. I, I am on a personal mission to eventually get him there. But, uh, okay, yeah, so you're you, you, uh, not as good as some, but far better than many others. <laughs> yes. Well, it's uh, once I went the first time, I knew I was never going to stop. It is just, it's a destination that... For us as av geeks, you, you can't miss. You just cannot miss it. I, I think that's the one warning I have for people, for first timers. There's two things I say. One, one is, you know, make sure you find your neighborhood when you go to Oshkosh, because that's like how you connect for the next years. But that's the big warning: is if you're going to go, be prepared to go every year for the rest of your life as long as you're capable because it's hard to not go i i if i ever have to miss oshkosh again i'm just gonna have to turn off earth for the week because i'm not gonna want to see anything that's going on i had to do that a couple years ago i actually 
I had to not not show up, and it was tough. Yeah, I was fortunate the first year that I went that Dave, you, and I met Mike for the first time at my first year there. So I kind of had that neighborhood predetermined for me. And out of all the arranged marriages out there, uh, I could not have asked for a better family to be uh, dropped into. So that definitely helped make it a must-do every year. It's not just going to Oshkosh, but it's going to Camp Bacon every year. That's really important. Definitely. Yeah, Camp Bacon's the place to be. But we're not here to talk about just uh, being at Oshkosh. We're talking about getting there. So tell us about that first year. You flew up in what kind of airplane? So... The first year. And by the way, you're based out of. Let's talk about that. You're based out of where? Austin, Texas. Okay, so this is no short flight. Uh, Alpha Uniform Sierra, out of the main Bergstrom Airport here in Austin, Texas. Okay. So um, I think it's 950-ish nautical miles, somewhere in there. Uh, My first year that I went up there, um, had no clue what to expect. So I did what I think any pilot should do before going into Oshkosh, and I studied every available resource that I had. Read the Notum cover to cover, watched every YouTube video that I could find of what it would be like, because I've heard enough stories that this is not a normal flight. You don't just show up to Oshkosh, key the mic, and say, Oshkosh Tower, I'm uh, five miles to the south inbound with uh, Alpha, Uh, can I land? That's just not going to fly. So, the... Notum is incredibly um, intimidated when you first read it. It's 30, 40 pages of all kinds of different procedures. Um, I knew I was going to have a passenger with me and not another pilot. Uh, my business partner, Jacob, flew up with me. Uh, he is an experienced passenger, but it's definitely not a pilot. So the first thing that we did is met at a local bar, uh, read the the notum over and over again and, you know a little bit of liquid courage goes a long way say, when practicing you re- you read this thing over beer huh uh, of course and somehow <laughs> it stuck so what we would do is based upon the youtube videos that i watched and everything that i've read we would pretend to do the flight and i would have him in the right seat with the notum open and the instructions I gave him is you study this so that no matter what question I ask that's written in the notum, you have five seconds to answer. And it could be, how long is the runway if they tell me the green dot? Uh, what landmarks am I looking at? What's the next frequency I need? And we practiced that over and over and over again until I felt comfortable that he was going to help me as a passenger through through the flight. The only thing I failed to tell him, and if you watch the video that's on YouTube of our first flight, we get over Fisk, and I kept telling him, you know, we're Warrior 8165 Charlie. Uh, We're Warrior, Warrior. I always use the name Warrior. And when we got over Fisk, we got Cherokee, rock your wings, and, uh, you know, turn right for the 1-8 runways. So I made the turn, and Jacob was like, where are we going? I'm like, well, they told us the turn. I didn't hear that. He didn't know Cherokee. He only knew Warrior as a (laughs) non-pilot. So that was the only thing that we failed to cover. But um, it was a relatively uneventful Fisk arrival. But um, before we got to the Fisk arrival, we left the day before. Uh, I didn't want to take too much time off of work. I thought I could 
squish Oshkosh into like three or four days, don't do that. Stay the whole time. Um, Oshkosh is way too big for three or four days. So we left after work out of Austin Bergstrom and made it to Kansas City downtown. Uh, We got there about midnight, maybe 1230, and slept in their pilot room. They had some nice reclining chairs, so we got a probably not the best night's sleep I've ever had, but we got a couple hours of sleep, woke up at 6 a.m. and continued the 105 knots uh, journey that took forever in the Warrior up to um, up to Oshkosh. I think we did one fuel stop before we got to Kansas City. Then we did one more fuel stop in Des Moines, Iowa. Was it Des Moines or one of the little uh, Dubuque, I think, is where we stopped. Um, and at the time we landed, there was, uh, an incident on the field at Oshkosh. So I already heard the radio chatter that Oshkosh was closed, not accepting anybody. So we sat on the ground, got a lunch, uh, at, uh, Dubuque. And then we were actually using live ATC was our best way to listen to ATIS. And as soon as we heard that, ADIS was uh, open, we hopped in the airplane and continued. So that was where I set my golden rule of Oshkosh. No matter what airplane I fly in, no matter how much range I have, because the Bonanza I fly now, I could do nonstop Austin and land and do the Fisk approach and still have two hours of fuel on board. I stop an hour outside of Oshkosh. That's my chance to relax. That's my chance to get refreshed with, um, you know, the the kitty beverages, and reread the notum one last time and make sure my cockpit is set up the way I want for the Fisk approach. So the airport opened up. We flew on in. Um, the getting into. Uh, over uh, Ripon was relatively easy. It was the first time I saw that many airplanes in the air that close to me at once. It was pretty crowded, but I had no problem finding my slot. I had no problem finding uh, Ripon. Uh, I used my GPS to kind of back me up, but as the notum says, make sure that you visually follow the landmarks because GPS can lead you astray pretty easily if you go direct line. And we were just humming along between Ripon and Fisk and waiting for the golden words, rock your wings, which unfortunately they actually didn't tell me to do. They just identified me and told me to turn. And I think that was the most, uh, actually, I think out of four trips, I'm not sure if I've ever actually had to rock my wings. Oh, which that's a shame. Is, uh, I've never been told to rock my wings, and I'm going to keep trying until I get it. Um, so we made the turn. Uh, we were slotted, uh, one, uh, was it three, six left was the runway that we were, uh, slotted the big runway facing to the North, uh, made that right turn. Just a huge line of airplanes. I, I, I'm just looking at this about a mile out from the airport going, how do all of these airplanes land at once? I don't understand i've had very limited formation experience at that time so being that close to an airplane just it it was surreal um made the turn um i got kind of confused on the last turn on really because there was a low wing there was a cherokee there was 
a piper and you know so what which one are you talking to are you talking to me and and i i decided that the instructions i heard were to go for one uh three six left so i lined up on three six left i had about a half mile with the guy in front of me everything was looking really good and um as i'm crossing the numbers and getting you know 10 or 15 feet off the runway you can hear a controller who's not on the mic kind of yell in the background cherokee go around cherokee go around and then the controller on the mic repeated it cherokee go around so i was like all right here we go full power uh to this day re-watching the video i'm still not a hundred percent sure why um i felt for oshkosh separation standards that i had what i needed but as soon as i powered up and started climbing the controller confirmed that that's what he wanted and that thank you good job and uh asked me to make uh right closed traffic for the small runway 36 uh right this time and coming back around it was um pretty standard pretty simple and um just kept it tight landed right on the dot that i needed to and um you know the the first arrivals in the books and his history cool I will say that once you land, that's almost more confusing what you do next than arriving with all those airplanes. Um, taxiing around there, trying to find out which flagman you're supposed to be watching for. Sometimes you have two or three waving you at once, and occasionally they tell you to go different directions at the same time. And if you push down on both rudder pedals, it doesn't do that. So <laughs> you... Um, once you land the game is not over uh definitely keep your head on the swivel keep that notum out uh and be looking for where you need to go because um that's the next part of the battle um it works itself out pretty easy uh you just have to it's just unlike anything you've ever done so that was our first arrival. Um, went well. Uh, Depart in Oshkosh is another adventure where you end up uh, in line with a whole bunch of airplanes. You end up on one half the runway with another airplane, and they're kind of launching you one after another, much like a you know launching two uh, F-18 Hornets off of a carrier. You know, launch the left one, now launch the right one, except for we can reload faster than they can. Um and I, think, I think you kind of mentioned this, but what, what days did you show up and, and depart for this first one? I believe the first one we got there Thursday afternoon, and then we departed Sunday. Okay. And we departed bright and early Sunday, which is a mass exodus day at Oshkosh. Yeah. Um, wasn't terribly eventful other than um, just like when you arrive in, you're watching out for other airplanes, you're flying lower than you typically do. You know, you're flying no more than a thousand feet off the deck. Uh, for a while uh, in close proximity of the airplanes once you cross the four mile mark then it's kind of good luck and everybody goes in every direction at every speed at every altitude and um, it's definitely entertaining and you're going to be flying for a good in the warrior you're going to be flying for a good hour hour and a half before anybody would be even willing to give you flight following Hmm. Um, there was some weather that day when we departed so we actually went uh, west and ended up in uh, Wisconsin. Not Wisconsin. What's the next state over? Nebraska? I can't uh, remember. M- Milwaukee? No. Uh, no, we went further west. We Illinois? actually crossed us. Minnesota. A, Iowa? Minnesota. I knew it started with an M. Oh, that, that's in Milwaukee? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I meant Minnesota. Either that or Iowa. Yeah, so we, so we ended up... Um, 
over there at some podunk airport got a great little lunch and it allowed us to kind of hook around a line of storms then we headed uh just headed south and that was a brutal brutal day of flying because we were going to make it all the way back middle of the summer once we got halfway home uh texas summer found us and i remember landing at one airport to get fuel and we got there and the fuel machine wasn't working and we were like i was like i got a little bit and i was just sweating like you wouldn't believe so i decided okay forget price where is the nearest class charlie airport uh it was uh northwest arkansas and i said they have services they have fuel and they have a crew car we just made a beeline for there uh had plenty of reserves you know we're being cautious but uh, went out for a um japanese steakhouse dinner <laughs> and just sat in air conditioning for a while there you and that's when i realized that since i left austin before that was the first major sit down that i had where i was in air conditioning for a period of time is that oshkosh we're camping we're outside the whole time um so so flight home we we got home after dark even though we left at like seven in the morning it was a full day of flying um you know it took me took me a day or two to recover after that but i still knew i was going to come back nice Hmm. 2016 I had the goal of Mr. Dave Allen needed to fly with us. So we pulled some strings, got David to come out to Austin a day or two before we left for Oshkosh. It was actually, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was one day before, uh, we, we flew, I, I, I mailed myself in a human mailing tube from Orlando to Austin Bergstrom. And it was like first flight in the morning, uh, Ken picks me up at the Austin airport uh, on a Friday and then took me to work. It was like, take your friends to work day. (laughs) And we put David to work. I actually helped out with his, like I I got on some phone calls and just kind of under, it was fun because I got to be immersed in the business that Ken was doing at the time. Uh, It's not the same company you're working for now, but it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed that. Absolutely. You you got to have customer conversations that I haven't even had the whole time (laughs) I worked there. You, 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 you got teamed up with one of our product guys and we were talking to customers customers and solving problems and uh, i still think they will uh, offer you a job anytime you want to move to austin well i might do that one day i gotta get my kids out of out of school first but uh, austin's not far off the radar so actually one of my favorites was when we went to lunch and what was the name of the place we went to lunch there in Austin? I've never had Texas barbecue until i went to austin we right? took you to rudy's barbecue right rudy's right and it's so a gas they, station is that what it is we go there and um, you kind of f- get in this line and they, they pick you out and they say, okay, well, is there anybody new here? And, you know, everybody that was there was, you know, lives in Austin and works in Austin, but they turn to the Floridian and they're like, oh yeah, he's new. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what happened, but the place pretty much erupted. They were like, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Florida. And she turns, this cashier who's going to take our order, turns to the pit behind where they're making all the where they're making all the food and she's like we got a fresh one in here from florida let's give them a welcome and the place just lost it and they're like wow it was crazy and the food was fantastic it was a blast (laughs) yep it was a lot of fun 
Rudy's is uh, a very special place, and it is basically a gas station at its heart uh, that has some of the best barbecue in Austin. Um, huh. All oak fired. Um, it's it, it, it's a unique experience. If you make it to Austin, there are some other very popular places that get all the credit, but Rudy's is the everyday barbecue that is awesome every time you go. Yep, I was I was very um, satisfied when I left that place. Huh. Good to know. So then the next morning, now, this year was um, going to be a different year for us. I had recently joined a partnership in a 1980 uh, A36 turbocharged Bonanza with tip tanks. Uh, real good cross-country machine, so no more 105 knots to Oshkosh this year. This year, we're going to be doing 160 knots the whole way. Uh, plane carries 114 gallons of fuel on board, but uh, with the weight that we were taking, um, can't take that much fuel, so we still planned a couple stops on the way up. But the great thing about the Bonanza is it is a true SUV. That has six seats in it. Uh, We took the two back seats out because we only had three passengers, Jacob, David, and myself. Uh, Traded off who sat up front, but in the back, we literally had a person-sized hole where there was no gear in that (laughs) third seat. And we've got some fantastic pictures. If you guys have show notes or whatever, we'll have to uh, include some of those. I think I even have a few of them. It was was very interesting to see that. (laughs) It was packed. Um, And that's the great thing about, um, about Oshkosh. So... We flew up, uh, had a couple fuel stops, and again, I had this one-hour rule, and, you know, creature of habit, I think we were planning, loosely planning the same kind of flight path that I had the year before, so Dubuque was a great stop, I uh, had a restaurant on field, so let's stop there again. Yeah, but, but Dubuque didn't work out. <laughs> no. What, the weather said, yeah, no, you're not doing that. So that was one of we those stopped, days. We stopped somewhere in Kansas for fuel first. I can't remember what it was what it was called. We actually you know? stopped on uh, the army base, okay. if I remember right. I can't uh, remember the name hold of on it. a second. What? There is a public airfield. Um, I knew I should have pulled out for flight for this conversation. Um, because um, Launchpad and I stopped there the the year after that in 2017. Um, we just stopped, got fuel, and kept on going. But um, uh, there is, it's uh, Fort Leonardwood has a public airfield on it that you can fly into. And actually, it's not marked as um, uh, military in any way, shape, or form. And you're, you're allowed to fly in there. And you can even get a crew car and drive around base without credentials and get lunch. What's the identifier again? I think it is. Tango Bravo November. Let's see. Uh, Tango. Waynesville? Yes, I think that's it. Let me check. Okay. Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. That's it. That's, okay. that's That's completely on military airspace. So, yeah. So, in 2016, we stopped for gas that one time. Our next plan was Dubuque. And, of course, the... Um, Bonanza has pretty good ADSB weather and satellite XM weather, so we're watching this weather front coming in, and we, we kind of realized that this isn't going to work. So we ended up, we knew we needed to get east, 
So going west to get in just wasn't going to work. So we know we needed to get east. So looking at fuel prices, weather, services, and everything that we needed, we, out of you know thin air, we picked Gary, Indiana. Right, Gary, Indiana. Now, Gary, no, no offense to anybody who, who lives in Indiana or lives in this city. It is the armpit of Chicago. Like, it is an industrial... <laughs> wasteland and and so we picked this airport to go land at like and to see can we even get any further because there was it was a significant line of storms that was coming across right mm-hmm. uh, i remember just flying over gary and just wondering wow this place like they could sh- uh, hollywood could use this city to to film post-apocalyptic films like it's just it's it's like there's this industrial town that just all the people are gone and you just see what happens after 30 or 50 years of nothing happening and nobody caring for it it's just it's kind of it's kind of sad and very interesting right i mean would would you describe it any differently than that uh those are much better words than i can come up with for it and 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 it's so we fly into this airport and it's uncontrolled and we're kind of like all right and <laughs> what we found was kind of amazing. Yep. So we get there. Their FBO was beautiful. Do you remember the name of that FBO, David? I do. It's called B Coleman Aviation. One of the best FBO stops on the way to. Oshkosh for sure, and and I would stop there at any time. So we get there, and of course we try to get some refreshments. We try to do some flight planning. We try to look at the weather. We try to uh, listen to the Oshkosh Atis, and it's are, basically are you skipping over the rest of the story about no. B Coleman Aviation. Don't we're, do that. We're gonna get there. We're okay. gonna get there. <laughs> so we realize, you know, the, the goal is that hopefully we can find a hole and get up to. Oshkosh, and every time we think there's a hole, we like no, it's not worth it, not worth it. I remember one time David looks, hey, that's a hole that we can make it in there. And I remember looking at David, going, I agree with you, but look what's right behind it. Do you want to set your tent up while that's hidden? <laughs> right, and that's the thing. We could have easily, easily gotten into Oshkosh, and then as soon as we landed and tied down the plane, this storm was just going to roll right over us, and we're yep. like. I don't feel like setting up a tent in so, that. So in between looking at weather and all this, we start walking around the airport, walking around the FBO. And we go to this one pristine hangar with the epoxy floors and you know all the walls were clean. And um, what did we see sitting in there, David? There were two, not one, but two p51 mustangs in this really it was like this horrible looking city and this awful airport and then there's this there was a terminal an airport terminal that was all but abandoned and it may have even had like a condemned sign on it but then there's this fbo that's just this oasis in the desert with these two P-51 Mustangs, leather chairs everywhere, 85-inch televisions, a media room with leather seats in it so you can watch. Like, it was a home theater that I'd want to have. It, a stunning 
um, super friendly people, conference rooms. And it's just like, how did this FBO come out of this place? And we taught when in talking with the, the people that work there, they were like, we love our piston airplanes. We love our single engine, uh, private airplanes because they are what made it possible for us to care for the jet traffic that we have coming in now. Like they, so they treated us like royalty. Hmm. And then we finally made the decision that we're not going to Oshkosh tonight. It's getting too late. We're too tired. The storms just are not cooperating. The forecast for the next day was beautiful. So let's spend the night in Gary, Indiana. The um, folks at the FBO uh, worked double time to find us a room. Uh, we got a room, and then they even gave us the courtesy car to take overnight. Since we're going to leave first thing in the morning, it's like, just take it. Um, and this was no Curtis. This is no ordinary courtesy car. It was like a GMC SUV from that year, or the year before. Late model, fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Spotless, beautiful, and you know, uh, Jacob found a really cheap hotel room somewhere, and the guy says, "No, you're not going there." And you're definitely not taking our courtesy car if you're going to go there. So he found us a good spot um, in in town. Uh, I was actually outside of Gary, and he also gave us some good recommendations for a nice uh, uh, microbrewery with uh, you know a, a grill that was some fantastic food. Got uh, a decent night's sleep. Uh, we were there bright and early the next day. The uh, skies had parted. The weather was looking good. So we depart Gary uh, VFR. And the next major um, treat of that trip happened. And we were able to fly the Chicago skyline, like literally right over where Miggs Field used to be. And um, that just tuck underneath the Bravo. Uh, they actually gave us flight following, which uh, I've heard stories that a lot of times they're too busy to do. Uh, but we were able to get north of the Bravo, kind of cut over towards Oshkosh. Uh, we climbed up to like five, six, seven thousand feet. I can't remember. Probably, uh, probably sixty-five hundred is what we did. And um, as I'm, we get, did you did you go through the class Bravo? Or were you you were underneath it? You said no. We stayed clear of the Bravo with flight following, uh, so we were underneath it. And then once we got towards the north of it, we started climbing up until we got outside of the wedding cake. Then so how we, uh, how high were you flying through down the skyline? Uh, we were probably thousand fifteen hundred feet AGL. Um, nice. You know, we 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 were we were low, and we weren't the only ones doing that uh, that leg. Huh. Um, but as we get closer to Oshkosh, um, a broken layer, uh, very thin broken layer, starts forming below us. So now it becomes a question of when do we go down below it? And I think the broken layer, all the uh, AWASs that we're flying over were reporting 1,500 broken, 1,500 overcast. Uh, so we know that we had to get down low. And I remember David looking at me. He's like, so when, when are we going to tuck down? Uh, and at that point, we're probably about 60 miles south of Oshkosh. And I really don't want to do 60 miles hugging hugging the uh, the ground. So, yeah, we're I'm waiting until the last minute. And I said, I'll, I'll tell you when. I'll tell you when. And then I remember looking back and go, all right, guys, you got your seatbelts on? He's like, yeah. 
Now it's time. There's there's our hole. <laughs> so you want to describe that uh, that moment, David? I actually, I actually don't remember that. I remember we kind of did get down quickly. Yeah. Um, but uh, you so probably I remember it better because you were at the controls. So I pulled out a you know the the emergency descent check checklist. <laughs> you know, cut cut the power, uh, put it in a nice bank, and um, you know push the nose forward and you know push it down about three four thousand foot per minute um as we go and because i saw a hole i wanted to get under and once we got under it you know we're about thousand agl the rest of the way for the last 30 40 miles to rip in uh as the closer we got to oshkosh the lower the um clouds got and uh we're supposed to fly the fisk approach at 1800 i think we ended up flying at about 1500 uh, I think it, yeah, I think it was about that. Uh, on the way in, it was it, it was low, and I think that was the year that uh, we get to rip in. And in the Bonanza, you have to think about how you're going to fly 90 knots. The you, you don't fly Bonanzas at 90 knots on a regular basis. They're, they like to go fast. So uh, before I did this trip, I actually went out a couple times and practiced flying at 90 knots to figure out what configuration was I most comfortable with. And the answer is gear down, uh, flaps to approach, and um, you know put in the right power setting for <clears throat> 90 knots. Uh, so I get to rip in. I get it slowed down to 90 knots and no problem finding a spot because I was, we were probably some of the only fools out there trying to shoot the Fisk approach at that time. And when we get to Fisk, we get the calls like, uh, you can tuck up your gear and just go. There's no one in front of you. <laughs> so Actually, well, there was somebody in front of us, I thought. I thought that, um, in fact, I remember listening to the radio and they were saying, um, so, so I was, I knew we, we ended up losing sight of the other guy because of the, you know, he was kind of tucking below those clouds. And so we were too, and the visibility wasn't as good as we liked, but I remember hearing where he was and saying, okay, I know where he is and I can see where we are on the GPS. And so I was able to separate just by hearing the, the them indicate where he was. Do you remember that? Yeah, he was definitely, um, more than a mile or two in front of us. Yeah, at least at least that. And I think they might have peeled him off to three six, and then we uh, went to two seven. We went to we went to we actually went to yes two seven. That's correct. Yeah, we went to two seven, the the northern runway, and so we kind of tucked the gear up and went. And then as we were flying eastbound on our downwind they asked us to extend our downwind because they have ifr traffic coming into 27 right so at first i'm like no problem we can do this so uh and then i realized we crossed the in over the lake i have no visual references anymore mm-hmm. i don't know am i still parallel to the runway am i drifting across <laughs> the approach course and all i know is a plane's about to pop out of this cloud right here in front of us um, it definitely was a very uncomfortable moment of why am I here? Uh, but then the plane pops out. Then we get the call to turn base. We come on in. Um, he get, gave us a dot to land on. We landed on it, taxied off, and um, found our parking space. And uh, Oshkosh 2016 began, and it was another epic year. That was a that was a great approach, and it was really fun watching you operate the aircraft. And you know, there, like you said, there was very, a very few other airplanes out there, and um, seeing that other airplane pop out through the clouds was probably the 
best thing I could have seen because it was like, okay, I see where he is. He's not where we are. That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't but, see the color of his eyes. Yep. But still, it ended up year number two. I was not asked to rock my wings. Oh, man. So, year number three, 2017. That's going to be the year that I'm going to rock my wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week before, I was fighting a minor maintenance issue in my Bonanza. Uh, the crankshaft was leaking oil. And uh, the seal just wasn't sealing, so my mechanic checked it out a couple times. It was 24 hours before I was going to leave. I was doing the last maintenance flight on it to make sure I was good for Oshkosh. And no, the plane is not flyable. I am not comfortable taking it all the way to Oshkosh. I was getting way too much oil in the windscreen while flying. Yeah, that's never a good thing. So what am I going to do? I call my buddy who owns a, a VTAIL S35 Bonanza that I fly on a um, semi-regular basis when I need to. And he was kind enough to say, yep, take her to Oshkosh. Just give me some good pictures. So nice. take a borrowed... Uh, you know, ban- I just want to say, I want friends like that who are like, yeah, sure, take my plane to like you know the other side of the country. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I, ta- want, I want those kind of friends. I've taken it to Sun and Fun, and I've taken it to Oshkosh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the the V-Tail Bonanza. Um, my friend Yuri is just uh, an amazing guy. Um, I it just I'm so thankful for him. So that was the year that our friend Launchpad Mazari um, was going to fly up with me. So we had to rejigger some weight and balance in the um, S35. It's not nearly as uh, weight and balance friendly as the A36 is. So we got it jiggered, and um, you know, away we go. Had a great flight up, um, getting hot, um, but uh, we stopped at Gary, Indiana again. And this was a fun one because it was the first year that I took Beth, my girlfriend, to Oshkosh, and we were going to shoot up. Uh, we drove. And as we're coming up through Kentucky and then through Indiana, we stayed the night in Chattanooga um, at your place, actually, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we pressed on the next day. And and I'm kind of, as we're driving very slowly, you know, 70 miles an hour versus the 150 or 160 that he's doing, that Ken is doing, I'm looking at FlightAware and realizing our paths are going to cross fairly close at Gary. And I said, honey, you've got to see this FBO. So we start, I put in the coordinates on, on the GPS for me to drive to B Coleman aviation. We pull up and, and Ken has just taxied his airplane up. (laughs) Wow. We could not have timed it any better. Yeah. The scheduled air carriers can't do that. no <laughs> it was crazy so we we did our stop at b coleman again uh went and looked at the p51s again um got our refreshments and then we departed about the same time uh obviously i beat david to uh camp bacon <laughs> yeah. but mm-hmm. actually not by that much i don't th- no you guys yeah, you, you, beat you guys stayed airport. in chicago you guys no, actually we, no, we was drove up we drove up skyline drive i'm sorry not skyline drive um we drove up uh, Lakeshore Drive, uh, so we took our time getting through Chicago, and then and then ended up at uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, that night. Uh, but it was late; it was late that evening. So yeah. So we got to do the uh, 
the Skyline flight for the second time. And um, that was another pretty busy uh, approach into Oshkosh. Uh, it was the second year that I had clear weather and other traffic to deal with. Um, so uh, we went in, landed 2-7 again, and I had a great time uh, coming in. And I know on the way out, we timed it so that we left when the UCAP team was doing their Sunday broadcast from the announcer's booth. Yeah. Um, so we made sure we got a nice call out on the UCAP podcast uh, as we taxied past them and took off. Oh, cool. Uh, I will say the scary thing that happened on that takeoff was, um, you know, we're kind of doing those carrier launches that I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and the guy in front of me was a slow uh, tri-pacer or something like that, and he's I he wasn't doing 90 knots. Uh, I don't know what he was doing, but uh, at one point I slowed down to the point where um, I heard the stall horn, um, and that's when I said, okay, um, I'm getting close to four miles out. It's time to get some separation from this guy. So I started veering a little bit off the course just to not run him over and have enough speed for the plane to keep flying. Um, yeah, it wasn't, we weren't in any immediate danger of actually stalling, but I heard that chirp that first time and I was like, okay, it's time to go to plan B and start putting some speed in. Hmm. Um, that's interesting. Yep. So that was 2017. Uh, 2018 was a landmark year for me. Um, brought my girlfriend Alana to Oshkosh for the first time. <laughs> we could do a whole. Is, yeah, we had a blast with her. She was yeah. a, a hoot. We can do a whole podcast on Alana's exp- first Oshkosh experience. Um, that was amazing. It will not be her last. It will not be her last, and but that was a marathon trip because she had to be out in California the weekend before for work. So she took the red eye home from California. I picked her up at the airport at eight o'clock in the morning, drove her to the south side of the airport, threw in the Bonanza, and away to Oshkosh we went. And um, so she seemed a little tired when she first got to Oshkosh. She had a good excuse. Can't imagine why. Yep. (laughs) So, again, we are planning on um, Gary, Indiana again. Um, I Since it's just the two of us and our gear, I was able to really fill the plane up with fuel. So we're going to do nonstop Austin to Gary, Indiana. And we're going to rest. We're going to do that last hour VFR. I was going to show Alana the Chicago skyline. It was a plan that was perfect. But wouldn't you know it? Weather said, you ain't going to do that. So, um, I forgot what airport we ended up at, uh, but somewhere um, outside of, uh, I think, Madison, just south of Oshkosh. uh, We flew, we're IFRN, so we flew at IFR to that airport um, and uh, landed and then went back into checking weather and trying to figure it out. Uh, the Fisk arrival was closed. Then we start hearing the Fisk arrivals open, and then we hear ATIS, and we're like, I don't know why it's open, but apparently it is. Um, it was a thousand overcast, uh, three mile viz. It was it was a sketchy, sketchy day. So we decide to 
go ahead and depart and you know make we had plenty of fuel so if we don't like it we'll bail and uh wait it out you know we can go to Fond du Lac we can go to one of the backups we we, we can figure this out so we are kind of picking our way through clouds had flight following uh you know get a couple calls like say your intentions like you know my intentions are good oshkosh we'll figure it out (laughs) why are you going zero nine zero well just trust me this is what we're going to do right now (laughs) um and we end up i finally see what i needed to see it's like okay we can do this i turned towards oshkosh there's several planes ahead of me uh actually a lot of planes ahead of me and going to Oshkosh, I just remember flying along some wind farms with these big giant windmills and the blades coming up and thinking, yeah. I need to time it so I fly between the blades because I am <laughs> literally that low. Those things reach up like 800 feet. Yeah. And I'm probably at 900 feet AGL, 1,000 feet AGL at best. And my tail's probably in the clouds. You haven't heard of the Millennium Falcon? She's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Yes, I made the Oshkosh (laughs) run in 11 parsecs. Um, (sighs) It was, um, I'm pretty glad that Alana was actually pretty sleepy. And I think she was asleep through a lot of that. Um, But then (laughs) then we get to Ripon. And that's when I told her that you need to be awake. And I did the same thing I did with Jacob the first year I went, where we practiced with the notum. I highlighted the things that I would ask for. uh, And she was Johnny on the spot to make sure that I had what I needed. And um, so we get to Ripon, and this was my first year. And this, this year was a total cluster. And we're coming in on Saturday. This is day minus one. Not even day zero. This is day minus one. And the approach is just jammed full of people who've been holding, waiting for the weather to clear. Um, for hours. For hours. Literally, people were up there for hours. Yes. And uh, the worst of it was after we landed. It was uh, once the clouds actually cleared later that afternoon is when people, I, I, I talked to people who was like three, four hours holding. Yeah. Um. So we get there, and I, I pick out my spot. Uh, I tried once to pick out my spot, and um, it just wasn't going to work, so I kind of circled back around. Then I got in line, and some idiot cut me off. And so now it's like I'm having a real hard time holding half a mile separation. So I had to exit the uh, pattern and go back to ripping and try it. So the second time was the charm. Um Several people in front of me got plucked out when they got to Fisk and had to go around uh, and try again because they weren't keeping their half-mile separation. Uh, At points, I was flying the Bonanza at uh, 80 knots, um, trying to maintain my separation. So I was really on the edge of what I was comfortable with with the Bonanza. Um, Get issued runway 27 again, and we... Come along, come around. Um, right when we start turning downwind, a plane had to go around, got put in front of me. So now I'm slowing down, trying to maintain my half mile separation. And then Tower calls the guy in front of me to make base, and he makes base. Then he tells me to make base, and I'm scratching my head. It's like I don't think you want me to make base right now. That is too close to that airplane. 
So I slowly made base. You know, I'm following instructions, but trying to give myself whatever separation I can. A little bit of room, yeah. Soon as I lined up on base, you hear the controller realize that this isn't going to work. But he's not ready to call go around yet. He wants me on the ground. Yeah, he doesn't want to deal with me going for another pass. Uh, so then he tells me uh, to land on the numbers, which is on two seven. Planes don't land on the numbers that often because when a plane mm-hmm. lands on the numbers, they get a taxi before they get off the runway and it clogs things up. But that was the only way that we were going to pull that off. The problem was the numbers are really, really close to me where he told me to turn base because he basically told me to turn base at the threshold. So um, I'm backing off a little bit. I end up doing this little bit of an S turn where I pass the center line, the runway just a little bit. I come back, I slip, I put the wing down, I cross the threshold, put the wheels right down on the numbers, a little bit firmer than um, my, one of my normal landings, but you know, you got to do what you got to do at Oshkosh. And I just remember the controller keying the mic, Bonanza! Wow, great job. <laughs> he said it three times. Fantastic, fantastic. Now exit the runway. <laughs> and, um, off the runway we go, and then we get put into Oshkosh Purgatory, where there's a whole, whole line of uh, planes, and they have to shut down 2-7 to let planes cross to go south. So we're sitting there, and we're sitting there, and we shut the engine down a couple times. Uh, we're probably sitting there for 30, 40 minutes. And finally, this flagman comes up, passes like six airplanes that are in front of me, and says, hey, you, follow me. And we end up parking this little nook that's off the side of uh, Basler Aviation. And he just took, it, took us out of line, passed six airplanes in front of us, and parked two of us in this little super secret area that is just right there. Nice. Huh. So, I like it. So those are my four visits to Oshkosh. And, um, and and still no rock your wings. Still no rock my wings. Not yet. So what's the goal here? Like, just keep going until, until you get, rock you your get wings? to rock your wings? And, <laughs> you know and what? Then the, the follow-up question is, what happens when you do? Are you, coming, are you done coming to Oshkosh? Uh, you know what's better than being asked to rock your wings at Oshkosh? <laughs> Saying welcome, he- hearing welcome to Oshkosh. That's that, that's yeah. actually awesome too. But <laughs> if my goal is to get the instructions to rock my wings, and if that happens, my new goal is to get it the second time. There we go. And then I the like third it. time. And so it's third. not going to change my desire to go to Oshkosh at all. Good stuff. But um, <laughs> it is it is an event. It is a event that you need to prepare for. I don't think you're just going to hop in an airplane as a. I, I would not want to be a fresh um, private pilot thinking I'm going to hop into Oshkosh. I've seen those idiots in front of me. Um, be prepared. Uh, have your backup, and but go go and have fun and make sure the cameras are rolling. Unless it's uh, thousand overcast, and then you might want to turn the cameras off. Yeah. So what's what's your if if you were to look at all four of your trips and and from what we're hearing on these stories by the way is that none of them have been completely seamless like you've you've had you've had a hiccup and one could argue that you would have a hiccup on every single flight but i don't think that's true like i think that on on these four flights you can point Ken to this was the issue we had on this flight and this is the issue we had on this flight and this is the issue we had on that flight what would you say 
is your big takeaway from these four, if you were to look at them as a whole? And and also, maybe you just already said it, what is what would you say to somebody who is going for the first time? The, the, the big takeaway is no matter if it's your first time going or if it's your 20th time going, you have no clue what to expect. Is this the year you're going to spend three hours in the holding pattern? If so, when are you going to take yourself out and go someplace else? Uh, is this the year that you're going to deal with weather? Is this the year that you're going to deal with an airport uh, runway shutting down at the last minute? Um, you don't know what to expect. You have to plan. You have to practice. You have to be organized. And then you have to know when to throw all that out the window and do what's right. And um, don't hesitate to get out of line and go back and try again. Um, it's, As opposed to forcing it. Yeah, don't force it. Um, I was seconds away from calling my own go around uh the last year when i was doing that very low s turn coming i mean we're 50 feet off the ground still in a 25 degree bank line it up uh, i mean i was a eighth mile final still a hundred yards to the south of the runway and you know i i was literally pulling a move that i've been playing in Microsoft Flight Simulator and the Redbird Simulators doing like really funky landings where you come at the runway at this weird angle and kind of come back. It was just surreal that I'm doing this in a real airplane. Um, And I was seconds away from uh, saying, no, thank you. I will try again. Um, But that time it worked out, but I, I was ready. I was ready to go around and you have to be, if you're flying into Oshkosh. You, um, You've done this four times now, and it sounds like you've, from what you were saying, you've done this every time VFR. Would you consider doing it IFR? If I can wake up early enough to get a slot. Um, right. I Well, yeah, w- I know that's hard to get a slot, but if you, you know, if you had to choose. Uh, if there's an IFR slot, every year I went in, I did look for a slot. I would take an IFR slot any day of the week. Um, I... I love flying IFR. I'm proficient at IFR. I prefer IFR over VFR any day. All my trips to Oshkosh, I'm IFR all the way until my last segment is my only VFR leg. Um, if I can get an IFR slot, I will. Um, I'm. That's probably going to be my goal after I get a uh, rock your wings call. Uh, <laughs> the year after that, I think I might try to uh, really work hard to actually do it uh, IFR once and bonus points if i actually need it if you know the weather allows me to uh shoot an actual approach into oshkosh i think that would be a cool thing to put in my logbook yeah um but yeah so it's ultimately i don't care how i get there it's going to be an adventure every single time Hmm. awesome well cool um if you don't know ken already uh, ken actually is a software developer and he for his day job he does some cool stuff but uh when he's not doing his day job he also happens to have created uh pilot partner which is probably the best uh electronic pilot logbook. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So pilot partner started when I was a student pilot back in 1997. And at its core, it is a solid 
electronic pilot logbook. Works on your web browser, works on your iPhone, iPad, or even your Android device. What we've done uh, in the last couple of years is we kind of realized that uh, there's a lot of choices when it comes to electronic pilot logbooks, and that just doesn't quite make us stand out as much uh, in the marketplace. So we wanted to do something different. So we started building on top of the electronic pilot logbook tools that allow flying clubs, partnerships, and flight schools to manage everything about their flight. So now when a pilot logs their flight, not only are they keeping their logbook up to date, but they are creating the invoice for them to pay for that flight, and they're updating the maintenance uh, tracking for that flight. So all three of these things are tightly coupled together. So one entry actually does three things. And uh, we're starting to see that we found something kind of special. There's really nobody out there who has tied these three things together in a seamless way that automates everything. So I'm in a partnership and I have a flying club. Um, both of them are fully managed by Pilot Partner. Uh, the flying club that I was in uh, in 2015 when I flew to Oshkosh the first time, our treasurer would have to go down to the airport and pull out the written logbooks uh, every couple months and then spend a whole weekend preparing invoices for the club. Now we just press a button and invoices are sent in five minutes or less each month. Nice. Uh, um, so it just has taken a whole new lo- level of automation to these flying clubs and partnerships and even flight schools. Got a couple of flight schools that have fully adopted it and are paying all their instructors through Pilot Partner. Oh wow! And for uh, as a student as a student pilot, I'm using Pilot Partner and I like it because the CFI can actually electronically sign my logbook. That's an older feature, but it's out there. And I think it's one of the standout features that you guys have. And your CFI can use the dashboard to monitor your progress, see where you're at, look at the notes from the last flights and doesn't have to have your paper logbook right there to do it. Can even make electronic endorsements on the fly. So if you're out doing your long solo cross country and you need to change your plan because of weather or whatever, he can make that endorsement electronically for you and um, from the comfort of his own home. How much does Pilot Partner cost for uh, the yearly subscription? If you're a pilot and just want the logbook, you're looking at $29.95 a year. If you want to enable this for your flying club or partnership, uh, we've got a tiered pricing system. The bigger your club, the cheaper it gets, but it starts at $14.95 a month per airplane. And then every member of your club gets full access to the pilot partner logbook without having to pay for uh, the logbook subscription. That's very so it's, cool. It's based on the, how many aircraft in the club, not the, not the members. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. just uh, you pay per tail number. Uh, once you get more seven or more aircraft, it's nine ninety nine, $9.95 a month. And there's a discount if you pay one year at a time for it, you get two months free. Cool. Wow. And you also have, uh, if somebody wants to try it out, you have a free trial period as well. 60-day free trial to give it a shot. And when you are on that free trial, you can set up your flying club and fleet and invite everybody into it. You'll have full access to every part of Pilot Partner, including the logbook, fleet dashboard, and CFI dashboard. Wait, so you, you actually do a 60-day free trial even for like a flying club or a flight school? Yep. Wow. That's almost unheard of. Yeah, well, 
Uh, <laughs> that's pretty to, amazing. To, 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 I, I, per, I personally think he's underpriced, but that's yeah. just me. To, yeah. to, to be honest, it was laziness. It was just easier to make it work that way than to code something different in. <laughs> but, I understand. But, but it worked out well because, um, like I said, I've got a flight school up in Dallas that uh, is a really progressive and uh, alternative flight school, the way they do everything about it. And they're managing everything off a of pilot partner. They've got uh, seven airplanes flying right now. And uh, I think like 40, 50, 60 students flying on a regular basis. And uh, everything is being tracked by pilot partner. And they have been a fantastic customer. They've forced me to tweak some things to make it better. Uh, but they've been a fantastic partner in this uh, endeavor and they've been happy they've been on it for about six months now that's awesome that's cool how, how can people find out more information about it pilotpartner.net if you go to pilotpartner.net you will uh, be able to see everything that we have to offer and um, look forward to everybody coming and joining us Ken, thanks so much for joining us here on Logbook Memories. It's been uh, a lot of fun and been a lot of fun reminiscing even about the, some of the flights, you know, the one that I took with you. To it was Oshkosh. fun to listen that was, to. That was a blast. <laughs> when you can hear David smiling over the air, it's fun. Yes. Oh, yeah. Anytime David's in an airplane, you can going to hear him smiling. Yeah. But I think he and I could fill up this podcast for a whole season just on flights that he and I alone have done. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, sure. David yeah, and I go way back. I'm sure we'll do another one. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to it, uh, guys. This is a fantastic um, venue that you guys are making and bringing to everybody. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to hear all these episodes. Thank you. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us. Any last words for you, Ken? No. Uh, fly, fly often, and remember to rock your wings, especially if yeah, they tell I, you to. I hope that happens in 2019 for you, man. Thank you. All right, so that will do it for this episode of Logbook Memories. We are hugely thankful to Ken for sharing these memories from his logbook. This episode was actually recorded before AirVenture 2019, and yes, Ken did fly into AirVenture this year, but you'll have to tune in the next time we have him on as a guest to find out if he finally got to rock his wings. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to Logbook Memories. If you'd like to share a memory from your logbook, drop us an email to stories at logbookmemories.com. That's stories at logbookmemories.com. And since we are just starting out, it would mean the world to us if you left a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you really want to help us out, maybe write a short review telling the world how awesome we are. Don't forget to share us with your friends. We'll catch you on the next episode of Logbook Memories. Logbook Memories.